The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about a hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and there you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. Uh, the one on the left side of the page is not Bradley's show from uh, Saturday. He was off for some type of gun course or something that he was doing, and I'm sure he'll probably share some stuff with you uh, from that because uh, his latest article, which we had out yesterday, kind of mentioned some of that. So you may want to check that out, sonsoflibertymedia.com. I think it's like the top one here. Yeah, same government that defends those who murder the innocent in the womb with armed security are the same ones accusing the armed, innocent Americans who defend themselves against the crimes of the guilty. So check that out. Uh, if you get a chance to this morning, head over there. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you got there. Look for the Rumble icon. Click on that and join us in the chat on Rumble. Uh, a lot of friends over there this morning. Good to see you guys. Um, and may the Lord bless the start of your week as well. Um, while you're over there, please subscribe to the channel. Sons of Liberty Radio Live is the channel. Sons of Liberty Radio Live on Rumble. And then we're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page over there. And uh, appreciate those guys giving us a spot on their platform also. Right up under where we're streaming live on sonsoflibertymedia.com, you can sign up for our email newsletter. Again, that goes out once a day, late afternoon, early evening. And, um, yeah, you'll be, you'll be good to go and in the know, <laughs> so to speak, uh, with all the articles we put out, including the Morning Show Archive. By the way, I didn't get to put out the one on Saturday until yesterday. Uh, just been a busy weekend, so it's up now. The vitamin B17, the all-natural cancer-fighting food. If you missed that link uh, from the show the other day, because somebody had wrote me and uh, wanted to know what that was, uh, it is simply vitamin B17, the number four, and then the letter U. Vitamin B17forU.com. Okay, so that's where you can get the uh, the vitamin B17. Had some people. I I don't know what the issue is about rewind, fast forward, but you can do that. After the show is live, if you're watching it after it's live, you can go back and you, know, you can do that. You can 
rewind, fast forward, just like old cassette tapes, right? You can do that. You can back and forth. Anyway, that's how you can find those kinds of things out. Uh, okay, so over the weekend, I came across just some stuff that it had this stuff come out like in the 1980s. It would have gained absolutely no traction. I'm pretty sure even the Mockingbird media would not have put up with it. Okay? Not so today. The stuff that's coming out, it, it's just... It, for somebody... Look, I'm 54 years old. And for somebody who grew up in the time I was growing up in... Uh, you would see some oddities of some things. Understand, I'm in the South, and even in the South, we had what, what they called blue laws. Everything was closed on a Sunday except a hospital, your police department, your fire department, um, maybe some, some people on standby at electric company in case there was an issue like that, maybe people at a gas company. It'd be, it'd be something that if something went wrong, you had to have people there immediately, or it could result in... You know, something catastrophic. It, it could actually come to that. So we had those kinds of things, right? And again, to hear of a sodomite in the South was virtually unheard of. And if there was one, they were in the closet. In other words, it was happening in their house, in the privacy of their house, and that doesn't make it any more right. But it was happening there. It wasn't brought out, and it certainly wasn't in pushed as an indoctrination measure on children, or on the public at large, for that matter. Corporations weren't pushing it. They knew people wouldn't have anything to do with them if they did it. So these are the same, this is the, this is the same stuff that's going on uh, that's happened before. So I want to share with you just a couple of things. Some of you may have seen these, and if you're on the radio, you'll be able to hear it as well. Um... Apple put out a new ad. Now, it's both hypocritical and it's lying, too. But if you carry it out to its logical conclusion, <laughs> this earth worship that they're engaged in, and it is earth worship, this is, this is so clear as to what they're doing. The idolatry they're engaged in is so clear, nobody can miss it. Okay. So here's the lady, this, this, this advertisement they have. It's about a five-minute ad, and they're talking about how they're going to go zero carbon emissions in their company by 2030. Mm, does, that sound, does that number sound familiar? Yep. Agenda 2030, right out of the United Nations. Sustainable development goals, all this kind of stuff. Now, the lie is in the midst of this is that every person breathing here is emitting carbon dioxide. Every one of them. And if you're at least as old as I am, you probably learned in grade school how the ecosystem works. The plants put off oxygen for us. We emit carbon dioxide for them. This is what makes things green, right? But now we're being told, no, 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 we got to lower the level of CO2. By the way, uh, if you missed our interview with Dr. Lee Merritt 
And uh, uh, you need to go back and, and check that out, and she'll show you exactly what they've done already, lowering the percentages of carbon dioxide. But I want you to understand that everybody breathing in the room here at Apple, engaged in this ad, is emitting carbon dioxide. So they're really not going to be zero unless they're planning on everybody dying from it, including Tim Cook. But this is what you get when you get a reprobate mind like Tim Cook running things. Yeah, he's a reprobate. And the idolatry here is just incredible. As I titled the show today, um, Google, Apple, and the World Economic Forum, finding new ways to commit the same old sins. There's nothing new here. There, there's, there's nothing new at all here. Okay, But here it is, and I want you to notice that Mother Nature comes in. Now, I believe in nature. Okay, the Scriptures talk about that which is natural, that which is unnatural. So there is an issue of nature, but there's no person named Mother Nature. Sorry. Only Father God exists. Okay, So as far as a God. And so pay attention to what goes on here, because when you step back from it, they sound like they're wise. They make themselves out to be wise, but the Bible says that they become fools. And that's exactly what you're going to hear. A lot of foolishness in this ad. Take a listen. Welcome to Apple. Welcome to Apple. Hi, I'm Tim. How is the weather coming in? Hi, I'm Tim. I'm going to do the offices already carbon neutral thing, right? Yeah, all yours. And for those on the radio, they're showing you all the weather changes and this, that, and the other as Mother Nature, so to speak, enters the scene. I hope we didn't keep you waiting. Mother Nature. Mother Nature, welcome to Apple. How, how was the weather getting in? The weather was however I wanted it to be. Let's cut to the chase. In 2020, you promised to bring Apple's entire carbon footprint to zero by 2030. Henry David Thoreau over here said we have a profound opportunity to build a more sustainable future for the planet we share. I think our 10 o'clock said the same thing. They all do. All right. This is my third corporate responsibility gig today, so who wants to disappoint me first? Well, we've got some updates we are excited to share with you. Materials? Status? Is there a materials person here? Yes. We are in the process of eliminating all plastic from our packaging by the end Let of... Let me guess. 50 years from now when someone else is left holding the bag? By the end of next year, actually. And we're also currently using 100% recycled aluminum in the enclosures of all our MacBooks, Apple TVs, Apple Watch. What about iPod Show? Yeah, recycling aluminum does it. Well... I don't, I don't do it's a joke. Problem, does it? Don't you people make Ted Lasso? Oh, that's a different group. Um, we're also phasing out leather in our iPhone cases. What about Brando over there? They phasing you out too? Oh. What's next? 
Electricity. Electricity status. Uh, uh, we're operating on 100% clean electricity. What runs on 100% clean electricity? Every Apple office, store, and data center runs on clean electricity, thanks to you and your powerful wind and... and now this is... I'm just stopping it here just a second because this is just nonsense. Even solar, which is declared clean energy, it's... Look at all the garbage that's going to be made once you have to get rid of the... Solar panels. Now, I'm not against solar. That's fine. If you can get off the grid, that's great. But to, to, to deceive ourselves into thinking for some reason that this is clean energy any, any more than anything else is just nonsense. It's just nonsense. But again, carry on. And Simon. And Apple offices are already carbon neutral. Yeah. This building is carbon neutral? Oh, yeah, we, we do it with a mix of clean energy and eliminating greenhouse emissions. It's kind of like if you were to... You're uh, seriously explaining carbon neutrality to Mother Nature? Right, no, I'm sorry. You want to tell me how photosynthesis works too? Don't. Probably that would also, eliminate the whole over problem here. 300 suppliers have committed to using 100% clean, renewable electricity. What's next? Transportation. I'm proud to report that we're shipping more products by ocean rather than air, which reduces transportation emissions by 95%. <laughs> yes, sure it does. Boats don't have to have fuel. I'm also happy to report that we're investing in projects around the world that protect the Earth's soil, plants, and trees. <laughs> Everyone says they're planting trees. We've planted forests. Oh, hello. Where? Paraguay. Brazil? What, are you trying to save the tropical savanna? Yes. And we've also restored mangroves in Colombia. What else? Grasslands in Kenya. Why? Our aim is to permanently remove carbon from the atmosphere. Do you hear this nonsense? What about your water usage? We've reduced it. By how much? 63 billion gallons. 63 million? Billion. As you can see, we've innovated and retooled almost every part of our process to reduce our impact on the planet. But there's still a lot more work to do. And there's something else we wanted to share with you. You're not trying to bribe Mother Nature with Apple swag. It's Apple's very first carbon neutral product. Hmm. I want to see you do more of this. You will. When? By 2030, all Apple devices will have a net zero climate impact. All of them? All of them. They better. They will. Okay, good. See you next year. <sighs> Don't disappoint your mother. And, and that's this is this is what they're putting out this is the stuff that they're putting out and they actually want you to buy this <laughs> their products are going to be carbon neutral that's what we're told well what are they building them out of recycled aluminum what kind of processes does it take to recycle aluminum? 
We know that uh, they've already got some of the byproducts of, uh, what is it, fluoride. They put in your water as a, as a part of the process of developing aluminum. But what all is put off in the atmosphere from the creation of recycled aluminum? Hmm? Well, what about plastic? What about silicones and other things like that? Are you, are you, uh, do they honestly want us to believe this stuff? And if you eliminate all carbon, let's say, you know, they said we want to get rid of all carbon in the atmosphere. Um, did these people not go to school? Even in the indoctrination centers that were, exist at my time, most of these people look like they're my age or older in the commercial. Did they not go to school and learn how this works? Maybe somebody should have had, quote-unquote, Mother Nature there explain photosynthesis and how it works. Because that goes right along with carbon dioxide and how plants grow. But no, they didn't do that, did they? They didn't do that. They think they're wise. Romans 1, read it when you get a second. Chapter 1, verse 18 and following, it talks about these men suppress the truth of God in their unrighteousness, and they profess themselves to be wise. Isn't that exactly what we were seeing there? Professing themselves to be wise by worshiping the creation, which is exactly what Romans 1 is about. They won't honor God for God and look at the, in awe and in His majesty in the creation and how it's so well ordered. They say, no, 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 we don't need this carbon dioxide stuff, God. We got it in hand. We can handle it. We need to get rid of all of it out of the atmosphere. That's what the one lady said there. You do that, and not only will there not be people here, there ain't going to be no plants either. Now, I don't believe God's going to allow that. But that's their mindset. It's nothing but idolatry. It's the same old sins that men have been committing for millennia, of which they're in need of repenting. Then let's add Google onto that. Now, Google thinks they're God, too. And, and this is this is the mentality, okay, of those whose father is the devil. Really is. They think they're the ones to determine right and wrong of themselves, and they're going to establish themselves as though they're better than everybody else. That they have a higher knowledge and an understanding of other people, and all this other. This was an article we posted over at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com over the weekend. And again, this is it's titled, Google Founder and Silicon Valley Artificial Intelligence Engineers Blasphemously, Blasphemously Declare We're Creating God. That's what they say. This comes from Jacob Thompson. Take a listen to what's said here. It's just the next step in evolution. I'm serious. Larry Page, the Google co-founder, said, an engineer from Silicon Valley, California, the home to some of the latest and cutting-edge technologies in the world, has said that they and others who are working on artificial intelligence are creating God. No, they're just like those in the past who bring out a piece of wood and they whittle it down and they put gold and silver on it and all this other stuff and then they bow down and worship their creation as though it is their creator. 
This all-knowing, all-powerful machine that can do it all for mankind that cuts like a double-edged sword. Now, I got to tell you, the whole AI thing anyway, aren't we? I mean, just some common sense here. But even in every movie, book, or anything that you've read that science fiction that talks about any of this stuff, it all, it all ends up bad. Man knows it's going to end up bad, but he keeps doing it anyway. It's like the drunk guzzling alcohol all day long. The alcohol, you know, the, the drunkard, he guzzles it all day long. He knows it's bad for him, but he's going to do it anyway because it feels good or whatever. Continuing on with the article, Nick Bilton for Vanity Fair explored these tech engineers' research to understand the process, and one researcher told him plainly, we're creating God. We're creating conscious machines. You remember the other, last year I think it was, they came out and they said that uh, their AI technology was sentient. That's yet to be seen just yet, but that's what they're claiming. One AI engineer working on large language models recently told Bilton. I, I mean, it's... Then he goes on and he says this. Bilton wrote in his piece that AI has been touted as being able to solve all of the world's problems or destroy every single human on the planet in the snap of a finger or both. Yeah, a lot of people are warning about stuff like that. Machines that will potentially answer all of our unanswered questions. Are we alone in the universe? I can tell you, we're not alone in the universe. The Bible teaches us that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is here. There's angels, there's demons. Yeah, we're not alone. He says, what is consciousness? Why are we here? Well, read your Bible and you'll find out. You're here to glorify God. That's what you're supposed to be doing. It shouldn't be. But see, here's the thing. The church has lost the message. The church has gained a, has taken on a message that sounds like what we just heard from Apple. There are many churches pushing this whole eco thing. And I'm not one saying we ought to go out and destroy the, the environment. That's not, that's not the thing. But our mandate is to take dominion over it. Genesis chapter 1, it couldn't be clearer. Take dominion over all of the beasts of the field, the fish of the sea. Take dominion over the earth. That's what we're supposed to be doing in Jesus' name for the glory of God. But they've missed that. And now, since they won't take what God said should be their purpose in life, to glorify Him and to enjoy Him, they're coming up with different purposes. Eliminating the world of carbon dioxide is one of those purposes. A, a really foolish purpose, but it, that's what it is. Bilton added, thinking machines that could cure cancer <laughs> allow us to live until we're 150 years old. Did anybody not pay attention to what we were talking about on Saturday? You know, the whole understanding of vitamin B17 or laetrile and the, uh, the apricot seeds and all of that other really came to light. Of course, John Richardson's father, who was, John Richardson was with us telling us about what his father did. But it was G. Edward Griffin who went up into the mountains there somewhere around Nepal 
and found these Hunza people, the Hunzakuts, and they were eating these things, and they had a lady that lived to like 165. Unheard of here in the West. And why? They weren't eating processed, quote-unquote, foods. And I, I use that very loosely, the air quotes, very loosely. As soon as they introduced the Western-style processed foods, they got their first 40 cases of cancer there, by the way. Mm-hmm. Exactly what happened. But men think they're wise. They think they're wiser than the Creator. And in doing so, they resort themselves to this vanity, this foolishness of thinking. The article continues in this quote, Thinking machines that could cure cancer allow us to live up to where, uh, to where, until we're 150 years old, maybe even 200. Machines that some estimate could take up or to take over up to 30% of all jobs within the next decade. From stock traders to truck drivers to accountants and telemarketers, lawyers, bookkeepers, and all things creative, actors, writers, musicians, painters, something that will go to war for us and likely against us. Yeah, that's exactly... Well, it's already working against you because if you're wanting to have idols like this, and that's what they're creating is they're creating an idol, something in their own image. What's what? What are those? What are those AI technology? What are they going to spit out? Everything that man put in. They're only going to draw from those resources that men have put in. And if you've got corrupt men putting the information in there, what do you think is going to come out? Corruption, or something good and holy? Yep, you're going to get corruption out. That's exactly what's going to happen. And we've covered some of this with Google before. We've done it also uh, with um, them and uh, Disney and the promotion of biometrics, transhumanism, Satanism, all that's been done. And uh, we've covered some of that before. But it's really interesting. Here's Apple. Here's Google. And look, uh, Android is... No different. It's a it's a it's a Google product. I'm going to be looking at it next time if I have to get another phone, which I would rather just chuck all of them to tell you the truth. But such as life that we're using those for our day to day task in many cases. I want to get one that doesn't have Google in it. So with that said, what about? the World Economic Forum, because they're backed by this. These guys are in league with these guys. In fact, many politicians, many of your so-called representatives come in and they're a part of the World Economic Forum. Same thing. So with that said, listen to a couple of the things that they are promoting. Some of these we've played before. But I want you to hear what they're saying with their own mouth. And you tell me this isn't, they aren't parroting the words of their father. This is, these, these clips are from Noah Harari. Okay? This reprobate sodomite. I mean, if you can't see how reprobate this guy is, I just really, I don't know how to help you. I really don't hear you. Surveillance. If we want to stop this epidemic... We need not just to monitor people, we need to monitor what's happening under their skin. We don't 
Ain't no microchip. What we have seen so far, it's corporations and governments collecting data about where we go, who we meet, what movies we watch. The next phase is the surveillance going under our skin. Ain't no microchip. We now see mass surveillance systems established even in democratic countries, which previously rejected them. And we also see a change in the nature of surveillance. Previously, surveillance was mainly above the skin. Now it's going under the skin. Governments want to know not just where we go or who we meet. Above all, they want to know what is happening under our skin. What's our body temperature? What's our blood pressure? What, what is our medical condition? We in June! Ain't no microchip! Now humans are developing even bigger powers than ever before. We are really acquiring divine powers of creation and destruction. We are really upgrading humans into gods. We are going to become gods, period. Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. That's over. That's over. That's here. That's done. That's here. That's done. All right, so you get the idea... I'm going to play you a couple more. I know, guys, the guy, just looking at him, great, he, he just grates on your nerves. He really does. This is another one from him. My favorite... Hang on a second. This is another one from him. This is guy, uh, I think he's JP, uh, kind of introducing this. Again, Noah Harari, World Economic Forum. I mean, just... it. it well, I don't even need to say anything. Economic Listen. Forum speaker of all time is this reptile, Klaus Schwab's top advisor, Dr. Yuval Noah Harari. Let's see what he has to say. Data might enable human elites to do something even more radical than just build digital dictatorships. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. Elites hacking organisms and re-engineering life itself? Well, he's not talking about doing that to people, is he? Now, in the past, many tyrants and governments wanted to do it, but nobody understood biology well enough, and nobody had enough computing power and data to hack millions of people. Neither the Gestapo nor the KGB could do it. But soon, at least some corporations and governments will be able to systematically hack all the people. Well, I guess he was talking about doing that to people. All people, to be specific. And if indeed we succeed in hacking and engineering life, this will be not just the greatest revolution in the history of humanity. This will be the greatest revolution in biology since the very beginning of life four billion years ago. For four billion years, nothing fundamental changed. He can't prove that, that there's even four that usually billion. works out super well. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. 
not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds. Oh, you are playing god. Say more. But our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds, the IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. Gosh, you wouldn't by chance have a plan in place on how to control people with your cloud technology, would you? And that plan isn't by chance already being implemented, is it? Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. Oh, so you could implement it. In this time of crisis, you have to follow science. It's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste. People could look back in a hundred years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin. Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. Free will, that's over. Okay, so some of these have additional clips in them. Uh, that we've already heard. And we'll play just a couple more, and then we're going to go to Scripture, and I'm going to show you these guys. I'm going to show you who their daddy is, and if you think like them, it's probably a sign that you've got the same daddy. This is another one. This is about your immune system. Now, guys, I, I'm going to tell you, unless we're going to stop these guys and uh, put a stop to it in, from those in our government whom people have given their consent to govern them. And I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't give consent to another person in another election unless I knew that person, I knew what went on in their house, I knew their character, and I knew them on a daily basis to determine they are trustworthy to be there. There's no way I'd give consent to anybody else in a position of authority. No way. No way. Because here's what's happening when you do that. You are giving consent to what they do. And too many, quote-unquote, conservatives, I'm going to say conservatives, are giving way to that. I read, somebody was kind enough to send me um, a young lady who came out and told about how certain people in the conservative movement we're paying her to put out certain tweets or post a certain article somewhere. And she said it was, she said, I felt kind of weird about it, but I did it once and I immediately felt awful about it. I retracted it. Um, and she said they paid good money for it. I think anywhere from $300 to $1,000 if you're, I guess, a big influencer. And, and if you're a bigger one, I guess you reach millions of people, uh, you know, that could go up to $10,000 per tweet or post or whatever. That's a lot of money. A lot of people could use that. And she said, I couldn't do it because it was a message I didn't necessarily agree with. I can tell you from being in this uh, since 2012, I've seen people who should know better and who have written Great articles about the law of God, about those who are in positions of authority and how they should be, their character and all this other, flip 180 degrees because, well, there's a lot of money to be made. 
When you're getting $10,000 a pop to send out your email list for a particular candidate who one day believes he'll be God, Mitt Romney. Yeah, and he does believe that. Um, well, you're going to kind of temper your tongue, aren't you? Yeah. You're going to temper your tongue. You're going to throw your support behind him so that you don't lose the people coming to your sites. And, and this is just, this is the way it is. I, I mean, it is happening among those who should know better. They should. But they keep them out there. This is uh, Harari again. And this is where he's talking about taking your immune system and connecting it to the internet. Take a listen. Historian Yuval Harari has developed his vision of the future by studying the past. His Israeli roots are of crucial importance to the formation of his view of the future. He's now using all of that knowledge to give us his vision for the future. Uh, with especially the rise of brain-computer interfaces and biometric sensors and so forth, it is very likely that within, say, 50 years, people will literally be part of a network all the bodies, all the brains would be connected together to a network and you won't be able to survive if you're disconnected from the net because your own body parts, your own immune system perhaps depends on being constantly connected to the colony, to the network. The new powers that we are gaining now, especially the powers of biotechnology and artificial intelligence, are really going to transform us into gods. And I don't mean this as a kind of literary metaphor. I mean it in a, lit in, in, in a literal sense, that humans are acquiring divine abilities, especially the ability to create and to design life. That's nonsense. Not everybody will be able to upgrade themselves. Let's just clar clarify one thing here. Humans don't create from nothing. They create from what God put here. It's that old joke where the atheists, the professed atheists, there is no such thing. All men know that there's a God. They just choose not to honor him as God. But where the atheist, you know, was making a challenge to the Christian to create something, or, or to God to create something. And so the atheist was going to go first, and he bent down to scoop up some dirt to form something. And God says, no, you got to use your own dirt. Same thing. It's the same thing. We can say we're creative with what God has given us. Sure, we can invent things, we can design things that are pretty incredible. I mean, I'm not going to lie, they're, they're pretty incredible. But they're nothing like what the Creator makes. They're not even close to what the Creator makes. And not everybody will have access uh, to or, or have control over the new big data algorithms of 8 billion people in the world, the vast majority will stay just ordinary homo sapiens and they are likely to lose their economic value, their political power, um, their control over their lives. And we are likely to see an extremely unequal society in which a very small elite either of upgraded humans or of those humans who own the master algorithms, 
like the, uh, the Google algorithm or the Facebook algorithm. So you, you kind of see where this guy's going. Everything is tied up in the technology that they're developing. Why? Because they want to be God. They want to be God. He talked about hacking. I'm not even going to play this one. I'll throw it up in the archive just so you'll have it. This guy also has a quote-unquote husband. He doesn't. He's got a sodomite for his bed pal. That's what he's got. He doesn't have a husband. This is what this guy you've just been listening to, this is what he, the guy that he sodomizes and sodomizes him, this is what he has to say about those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Take a listen. It is mostly the believers who laugh at us when we say you will own nothing and be happy. And watching this crowd, they are mentally stuck in the stone age when we talk about our future and our unlimited potentials, like eating insects to stop the climate crisis. I'll bet he's not eating insects. And of course, we at the World Economic Forum, we still love these people and we want them to be with us in that future. But they have to compromise. Because you see, these hackable human animals believe that there is a creator. Which, by the way, we can't prove that there is. While I laugh nervously, so you know Satan isn't speaking through me. But they are going to destroy that future potentials by having such a belief. And that's the compromise that they have to make. Because we are going to have algorithm gods who's going to understand you better then you understand yourself. And with such algorithm, we are going to help you make much better decisions. <laughs> like, for instance, to stop another Trump from happening. Now, if you want an implant that tracks your thoughts, say what? What? Exactly. All right. So the obvious question I have going on in my head is uh, any kind of medical, mental studies, and such are probably going to come forth, and they're going to say, uh, you and Harari are mentally unstable. You're, you're reprobate. You should be put down for engaging in what you're doing. It's a capital crime. Uh, but they're not thinking that far apart, or that far ahead. Well, Tim, we should pray for them. Yes, we should. We should pray that if they will not repent that God would break their teeth in their mouth in front of everybody and that he would bring on them the very destruction, enslavement, and everything else that they want to bring on, on the whole world. That's what we should be praying. Oh, Tim, that's unloving. That's a, it's loving towards the people that they're trying to do it towards. Remember, this is the offensive weapons that we have. They're spiritual. Do you believe the Father hears your prayers? What exactly is praying for your enemies? Well, in some cases, it's, Lord, turn their hearts towards you. But if that's not your will to turn their hearts, and, if, and in some cases, it's not his will to turn their hearts. Oh, Tim, I can't believe you're saying that. He didn't have that will for Pharaoh, did he? In fact, before Moses stepped foot back in Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let the people go, God told him, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. 
so that he won't let the people go, so that my glory might be on display. And Paul reiterates that in Romans chapter 9. So Moses knew going in, he was not going to have success with Pharaoh, but he was going to have success by doing what God said to do. Christians need to learn those imprecatory prayers. So who is their daddy? Who's the daddy of the guys running Apple? Who Tim Cook. Who's, whose daddy is the guys running Google? Who is Harari and Klaus Schwab and everybody that has a part in the World Economic Forum? Who's their daddy? I'm going to show you. Genesis chapter 3. This is the first place we... Actually, it's not the first place we see him. We're going to read a little bit about that in a second. But at least in the first book of the Bible that we're presented with in the Torah, in Genesis chapter 3, here's what we see. Um, all right, look here. You guys in the chat, uh, yeah, you're just going to be chill on the, all that stuff, right? You're not going to come in here and attack people. Just don't do it. If you want to have a discussion and disagree, that's one thing. You're not going to sit here and attack people. All right. Uh, Genesis chapter 3. And the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, notice she threw something in there that God didn't say. God didn't say you couldn't touch the tree. She threw that in there. She had been given instruction by her husband. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that the day in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Isn't that the same lie that's being pushed off by Noah Harari? Yeah. Same, same lie. By the way, this is what Mormonism was teaching, too. They teach, I think it was Brigham Young, who taught that the fall was not a fall down, not devolving, but instead, it was what? A fall upward. So they could become gods. That's what Mormonism believes, that one day they will become gods. They'll have their own planets. They'll have their own you know, spiritual wives that they've married in the, in the temple. And they're going to produce offspring. That's what they believe God did. And at first, he used to be a man. He became God, uh, impregnated his wife. They had Jesus and Lucifer. They're sort of spirit brothers. Yeah, all that's a part of that. All of that's a part of that. It's a deception. It's a distortion of the truth. And so, verse 6, chapter 3 of Genesis, what happens? And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed figs fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So what happens? Men do what they always do. They go and run and hide, try to, try to cover up their sin. And it's God who goes and seeks and saves the lost. 
And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. I hid myself. What, what, what brought this on? What brought this on? Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man didn't say, yes, I did. I, I disobeyed. No, he says, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. By the way, we were having a little conversation on Saturday, I think it was, about Adam. And I'm telling you, if you go into this thing where you're going to say, well, there was just a whole bunch of humanity created, and then Adam and Eve are part of that, and they're created, you're, you're going to have to distort something in the New Testament gospel, if you're going to hold to that. Because all men are in Adam, not Adam and other humans. And then you have to explain, how did the other humans come under the condemnation of Adam? Were they all, was there a bunch of Adams partaking of the tree? Bunch of Eves partaking of the tree? Because when you get to the New Testament, Jesus speaks as though he is one man. The first man. The first Adam. In fact, Paul says that Christ is the second Adam. Are there a bunch of, are, are there a bunch of Adam Christs running around too? See, I saw this when there was a guy, he got kicked out of Westminster, thank God. He did a, uh, a curriculum. And... What he, yeah, go look up the definition uh, stuff. There's, if you look up the definition, it speaks specifically to that, both in Genesis 1, uh, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Even though there is the Hada and the Hadam, this there, go look at the definition. It speaks of the first man. It's, there's no real difference going on. And to expand that out, you're not being consistent with the gospel. So it's very important that we understand that because Jesus and the Apostle Paul, both under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, along with the writers who wrote the Gospel accounts, who recount that, are telling us what was meant by that. This isn't hard. It's not difficult. But the other way is, and it starts, I've seen the guy who wrote the Biologa, Biologus, I I forget what it was, Biologos, I, I don't know what it was. He wrote this curriculum. And that's what he ended up having to do. He has to go through and he has to start changing the presentation of the gospel. Why? Because he's off base. He got off just a little bit in the beginning. And if you're on a trip and you get on the wrong road and maybe it's running just a little bit like this apart, right? And the further you go down the road, the more those roads widen until... You get several miles down the road, and you're not anywhere close to the route that you're supposed to be, and that's what they do. So here's the, here's the devil. He's referenced as the serpent. Here he is doing what he's doing there in the beginning. Then we have, from the book of Job, we see the same thing. Same kind of thing. There was a day, uh, this is Job chapter 1, verse 6, and there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Yeah. Interesting. 
Interesting. Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house? Oh, God, you're, you're, you're giving special favor here to Job. By the way, that's what grace really is. It's a special favor. It's not that Job deserved it. It's because God was demonstrating who he is. Hast thou not made an hedge about him, about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And what does God do? The Lord, Yahweh, said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord, and then you read what happens. And after he took everything from him, okay, he comes back because Job hadn't cursed God. And God said, okay, have at him. Have at his physical being, but you can't kill him. And he goes back and he does that to Job. And Job's out there and the only thing he's got is an ash heap he's sitting in, a bunch of bulls on his skin, a piece of clay that he's scratching himself with, and a nagging wife. That's what he has left. And the wife is telling him to curse God and die, but he won't do it. He's showing that Satan is not his daddy. His daddy is the Lord, Yahweh, the true and living God. We also hear an echo of what you've heard from Noah Harari, Google, and Apple in the 14th chapter of Isaiah, where the prophet is speaking to the king of Babylon. Here's what we read. For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob, and will yet choose Israel, and set them in their own land. And the strangers shall be joined with them, and they shall cleave to the house of Jacob. And the people shall take them and bring them to the place, and the house of Israel shall possess them in the land of the Lord for servants and handmaids, and they shall take them captives, whose captives they were, and they shall rule over their oppressors. And it shall come to pass in the day that the Lord shall give thee rest from thy sorrow and from thy fear and from the hard bondage wherein thou wast made to serve, that thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, How hath the oppressor ceased? The golden city ceased. The Lord hath broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the rulers. He who smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke, he that ruled the nations in anger is persecuted and none hindereth. The whole earth is at rest and is quiet. They break forth into singing. Yea, the fir trees rejoice at thee and the cedars of Lebanon, saying, Since thou art laid down, no feller is come, upon, come up against us. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee. Even all the chief ones of the earth, it hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. We're going to carry this over a little bit. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And we'll be back with you in the morning. Lord willing, 6 a.m. Talk to you then. Okay, I want to welcome everybody coming over from the radio. Let me finish up this portion of scripture that we're reading. We've got a, another one I want to hit real quick. And they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave in the noise of thy vials. The worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? By the way, the term Lucifer is just simply means a light bearer. 
it's kind of interesting that they would use that. And by the way, it didn't come out with COVID, the COVID shots. Um, it's interesting that they would call it luciferase, bioluminescence. That's where they're tying that to, a luminescence, a light bearer. That's been out for years. But he says, he looks to the power behind the king of Babylon, who his daddy is. Okay? Thou art fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How art thou cut down to the earth, which didst weaken the nations? And listen, doesn't this sound just like Noah, the stuff we just heard from Noah Harari? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation, the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And God speaks to him and he says, Yet thou shall be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit, that are they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, is this the man that made the earth to tremble? That did shake kingdoms? That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof? That opened not the house of his prisoners? All the kings of the nations, even all of them, lie in glory, everyone in his own house. But thou art cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch, and as the raiment of those that are slain, thrust through with a sword that go down to the stones of the pit, as a carcass trodden under feet. Thou shalt not be joined with them in burial, because thou hast destroyed thy land and slain thy people. The seed of evildoers shall never be renowned. So God has a message for both the king and his daddy, the one who's behind him, behind his power, Satan himself. And we see he's cast down, and indeed, what does Jesus say in the New Testament? He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Mm-hmm. He came and pillaged the strong man's house, Jesus did. He's not waiting to do it, he did it. He pillaged his house. He bound the strong man. That's what he said he did, okay? That's what he said he did. And then when you look at Revelation chapter 12, here's something else you'll see. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon, this is the, that old serpent, Satan, the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, and devour her child as soon as it was born. Again, this is a, all this is is a vision that John is seeing of the birth of Christ. And how he wanted to destroy the Messiah. He tried to do it all through history. stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered and to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. Yeah, go back and read Revelation chapter 3 and you'll see he was already doing that first century. And he promised the same for those who repent and overcame. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. 
And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Oh, see that hope there, friends? I don't look at these evil people as they're any more capable of destroying the people of God than Satan was in prevailing against Michael and the angels, or even against Job. You see, God put the hedge where he was. Satan was not allowed to touch Job's body the first time around. The second time he was allowed to touch his body, but he wasn't allowed to take his life. I'm not here to give fear. I'm here to show you what's going on in the world and point you to who you should have your trust in, where you should be setting your mind upon. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And notice this. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. When did that happen? We've done several shows on this. When did the kingdom of God come? Oh, that's right. Yep, it came with Jesus. He said so. I didn't say it. He said it. Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Why? Because the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him. Who's this? This is the brethren. They overcame him. Who's that? The accuser of the brethren, the devil, the dragon, and Satan. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he had a short time. Hmm. And it says, notice, when the dragon saw that he was cast out unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Now, I don't think this is a, a picture of Mary, per se. I think it's a picture of Israel. He was to come through the line of Israel. He didn't come outside of Israel. He didn't come outside of the covenant people. He came through the covenant people. And that's the ones who were persecuted, the real ones. And, of course, he goes on from there. But the point is, is that he's the accuser of the brethren. He's the one who comes in and points the finger. He's the one who goes in and puts words in your mouth. This is why I can deal with people in the chat who disagree with me. That's fine. I don't have to get bent out of shape. I don't have to get upset over that. Why? Because the truth stands on its own. It really does. But if you go putting words in my mouth, then we're going to have a problem. Because that's what Satan does. And I've had several people 
Some who used to listen to the show have put words in my mouth. They've said things I never said. They put it on their Facebook pages. They put it in the chat. They put it in the comments. And even though they get corrected, they keep on with their lies. And I don't put up with that. I'll just, I'll just tell you, I don't. I call it out, and I give the space there for God to give them repentance. Hopefully, he will. But that's the work of the devil. That's not the work of God. Now, most of you listening in the audience, you probably agree with this, the presentation that I've given. Maybe there's some people who come in and goes, yeah, but there's, there's probably some good things about artificial intelligence. Maybe there are. I don't know. I've seen it be used for things that are not evil and wicked. I've seen that. But when you've got wicked men who are going to be inputting to AI and wicked men who are trusting it to be their gods, I mean, they just said it, algorithm gods. That's AI. And that's the way they look at it. Then you can rest assured that everything coming out of it is going to be wicked too. And it'll be aimed at death and destruction. It won't be aimed at life. It won't be aimed at honoring God or any of that. And if the governments of the world would actually realize that some of these people like Apple, the company, their Apple, Tim Cook, Google and their founders and co-founders, Noah Harari and Klaus Schwab, if they would understand that they've already issued their threats against us. By the way, a threat, in the manner they're putting it here, I mean, they're threatening your life and your children's lives. Now, anybody else would be arrested and they would be prosecuted for such threats. But for some reason, because they're not sitting here holding a knife or a gun, they're just talking about artificial intelligence. They're just talking about their computers. They're just talking about their cell phones. Because they're doing that, they're not taken serious as though they're a criminal with a gun to your head. Frankly, all of them should be arrested, prosecuted, and summarily taken out in the public and executed in front of the people for their crimes against humanity. That's what they're doing. That's what they're engaged in. Crimes against humanity. Why would you say such a thing? Aren't Christians supposed to be loving? Yeah, we are loving. Loving towards those who are innocent, who aren't doing anything. When I use the term innocent, I'm saying they haven't done anything to these people in which there's a self-defense issue or something like that going on. All men are condemned in their fallen state. Jesus said as much. He didn't come to condemn them. He came to save the lost. But when we're dealing with this kind of stuff here, Man, our offensive weapons are the gospel. And if you don't have the gospel that saves men from sin, not leaves them in it, not lets them brag about their sin and then just go, thank you, Jesus, you saved me from a sin, even though they're continuing on in it. That's not the gospel. That's a false gospel. That's a false grace. A false grace does nothing to change you. I mean, it, it, does, it doesn't do anything to change you. I've heard that message before, too. I've responded to that message. Life was never changed. But when you get the gospel, the real gospel, you come alive. Ephesians 2. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God, who is rich in mercy, hath 
quickened us. That term means he's made us alive. He said, live. And so this is, this is part of where the gospel has been missing with the Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life stuff. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel confronts sinners with their sin, their lawlessness against the lawgiver. And it calls men to repent, to bow the knee to the lawgiver because he's king. And when they do that, you will see a change in their life. You're, it's unavoidable because it comes from outside of them. It's a righteousness that they don't have. It's a spirit that they don't have or they don't possess because God had not given it to them before then. And if you've been born again, you know exactly what I'm talking about. A change of mind. You are a new creation in Christ. Behold, old things are passed away. All things have become new. Now, does the scripture mean what it says or does it not? Well, Tim, I just, you know, I just keep... Well, maybe you need to seek the Lord. I'm just saying, maybe you need to seek the Lord about that. He says you can overcome. He's given of your spirit. Paul prays for the Ephesians that the eyes of their understanding might be opened, they're enlightened, that they might know, as Romans says, the depths and the heights and the width of the love of Christ that they might grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. God meant to change us when he saved us, not leave us in a state like we were in. He meant to change us. And we'll be being conformed to the image of Christ until the day that we see him, and the Bible says when we see him, we'll be like him. We'll be like him. I hope that's the direction that the Lord leads you in today. Now, with that said, Bradley, be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com, and Lord willing, we're going to be back with you in the morning, bright and early, 6 a.m. Talk to you then.